0: Welcome to Crush Disappointment. In this episode, I'm chatting to Sydney about his first crush on Lindsay Lohan. This came about when Sydney was nine years old and watched the 1998 remake of The Parent Trap. My first question to Sydney is to explain the plot of that film, so I'll leave that to him. But we do move on from Lindsay Lohan pretty quickly. Uh, we barely speak about her at all, really. So prepare yourself for that. And the things that we do discuss, the sort of topics. Um So a few days later I watched 8th Grade at the cinema And I think that film does a much better job of explaining a lot of the things that I was trying to put across So just go and see that, it's really really good, I mean I cried Um We also sit on some ideas of, um I don't know, guys who feel insecure at school And nice guys in inverted commas um, And I think I did a better job of explaining my position on that in the Misty from Pokemon episode So I'll call that a companion piece so that it seems intentional um in the last episode in the introduction i spoke about regretting things that i'd said uh this episode is a little bit different in that it's not that i regret what i've said it's just that i feel slightly differently now so i no longer think that happy people are stupid but i may well think that again so think of this episode as almost like a time capsule of how i felt in that moment and there's also some conversation about i don't know, being hard on oneself Which, I think I've got a better answer to that now. Well, I'm working on a better answer, so... uh, Yeah. Also see that as a time capsule, I guess. Um, Finally, there's there's some spoilers for Rogue One, a Star Wars story in here, and for some really, really small ones for Mad Men, so if you desperately don't want to hear spoilers for them, don't listen to this. Uh, There's something wrong with the mics, but that's worse next week, so I'll moan about that next week. And... Yeah, I think that's it. So, here's the crush.
1: So yeah, so the film is, uh, these two girls, it starts off at summer camp in the US and it's kind of like in the Midwest somewhere, so it's nondescript. The film opens and Lindsay Lohan comes in and she's like this cool American girl. It's like, oh my God, I love summer camp, whatever. And then you get the same sequence, but then with Lindsay Lohan dressed in the kind of like very posh, like Burberry, (laughs) like outfit. And she's like, oh no, this place looks dreadful. And you're like, oh my God, they're twins. What's going to happen? So they end up hating each other at first because they're like, oh, that bitch, she just looks like me and she's stuck up and now she's American, she's got no class or whatever. And they become rivals, but then they realize that they're twin sisters and they decide to swap places to force their parents who are divorced to get back together basically because the dad is about to marry this really bitchy kind of 25 year old model girl. Uh who just wants his money basically. And there's a whole ploy. So the two girls kind of come up with that whole ploy (laughs) and then it ends well with the parents sort of getting back together and you know.
0: So they didn't know they were, they had sisters.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's the whole point of the film is that one one is like British and one is American. One <laughs> is like her mum is like a wedding organizer and like Oxford or something really posh, and the other one is in California, so really laid back. And so there's all these like, oh look, this is what she does, and this is what the British version of her does, and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And
0: how old were you when you first saw it?
1: I was like nine years old. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure how old she is in this film. I don't know if you know because... how much. She, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was quite... I don't know. I remember seeing it. I was like, oh, my God, she's so nice. And, like... <laughs> like so, if, pretty... if you were
0: nine years old, did you get a sense of the British-American stereotypes? Did you get what they were doing with that?
1: I got... I, I don't think I got the... Because I grew up in France, so my English wasn't... Like, my English was fluent, but, like, in terms of accents and stuff, I don't think I clocked that they were... They had different accents. Uh-huh. But, obviously, by like, the way they were dressing and, one and like, with the parents, it's very obvious because in the film, the mum is, like... You know, like, always wear tailored dresses and like obviously lives in london and stuff they make it very clear that it's you know i think that's kind of why the film is good as well because it plays off that whole like brit versus american uh-huh. stereotype thing yeah
0: yeah so what, were you forming an impression of britain and america from a little countries? bit yeah but like very specific for
1: america it was this very specific like california vineyards really laid back like obviously that's not what all americans yeah, are like yeah. Yeah. but yeah definitely yeah that was like a oh right this is what i think it also gave me a like that feeling that, you're like, the world is, like, amazing and it's, like, great places. Because I grew up in this, like, little French town, so I was, <laughs> like... I think that was part of her, like, mystique as well. It was, like... Oh, well, it's like a whole world out there
0: that's just not this kind of like post-industrial French yeah, yeah. village. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So were you watching a lot of Americans or were you watching mainly French? I, stuff? Was, I
1: did actually, because I, so my parents um, met, uh, it's a long story, but they basically met in Australia and lived there for a long time and then moved back to France because my dad got a job basically in France. Uh-huh. So they taught me English as a first language, mm-hmm. which when I was a kid, I spoke with a heavy French accent because I lived in France. Yeah. So then, which changed when I came here to study at uni because my accent got a lot better but mm-hmm. as a kid i used to watch a
0: lot of these like american like disney films and stuff. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and did you get it was one actress at the time or did you think
1: i don't know i thought it was i think when i was a kid i used to think it was like two different people and the girl because i watched i used to be friends with a lot of girls when i was a kid because i was just i wasn't this very like football kind of uh-huh. boy or whatever. so and she showed it to me and then i was like oh my god like the actresses in the film are so good and stuff and they're not realizing because i i don't think I knew, I th- when I was watching it at that age, I, because this is, uh, that film's from the nineties, Lindsay Lohan had kind of done, she was doing like Mean Girls. And so she oh, was, okay. she was blossoming from this like child star into this like teen, you yeah, know, yeah. like before all the drugs and it. So I think I was very like, I wasn't really aware of Lindsay Lohan being a thing yet, you know.
0: So did you watch the film a lot? Was it like a, a, a staple? It, w- it,
1: wasn't like a, it wasn't like a staple because I didn't really... I didn't even own the VHS or anything. We just I just watched it that one afternoon at my friend's house. And I don't think I've actually watched it all the way through until like yesterday, basically, okay. like, catching up for this. But it, I think it just made a huge impression on me because it was like, she's quite sweet in the film. Like both the characters are very... Mm. The, the characters she plays are very like innocent and very... They just want their parents to get back together. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like... I was like, oh, that's really cute. You know, like, I think that's where the crush came. Like, obviously, she's very pretty in that. But I mm-hmm. think that, I think it was like, oh, she just wants her mom and dad to get back together. And I think the... Because pro- my parents have been together a long time. I think it was like the prospect of your parents, like, breaking up, like, not mm-hmm. being together seemed, like, horrifying. So I was kind of like, you're kind of like rooting for her in the whole film. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
0: you know, you should be with your twin sister. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 it is strange that you say that it was just, like, one viewing and it had such an yeah. impact. Does the film have associations for you of like a a time of a place is it
1: definitely I think it's that time when because the film is very like for those who haven't seen it it's very pure hearted and it's very innocent it's a very well-made Disney film Mm -hmm. and I think that just and a a very well-made like family Disney kind of live action film which I guess like in the 90s was like still a thing so they did like that Richie Rich movie Mm -hmm. with Macaulay Culkin and And I think I just grew up for me I just associate with like being a kid but also I guess being nine years old you're kind of like you're starting to get an awareness of, like, the world around you. And like I mentioned before, like, you know, you you live in this little shitty place. But, like, you, you know, like... There's Did you think whole... it was shitty? No, I didn't. But because that's all I knew. And it wasn't, to be honest, the town I'm I'm from is very, like, fr- it's very French. Like, it's very cute and very adorable. I think I've I just started, like, being, like, eight or nine, I kind of start, just starting to get an awareness of, like, oh, America, Britain, London. Like, there's a whole, like, world out mm. there that isn't just... You know, just being at home, sitting on the couch, watching a movie, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. And I think it definitely made me want to like travel and and like meet other people, kind 'cause of. Because as a kid, I was quite shy, so I think seeing her in the film as well was kind of like, oh, like there's there could be a girl like her out there. You know, yeah. like, I could make friends like her you know, out there or yeah,
0: like. yeah. yeah, yeah. And you find because so I'm from the town as well, but right. I find like. uh when you were going to cities, do you yes. really have a memory of that being, like, really an exciting juxtaposition?
1: I think definitely the first time I came to London was, like, the most exciting thing. Like, one of the most exciting things I'd ever done in my life. Because, like, I always hate, I think as a kid, I, knew, I really, like, changed. So I always hated travelling around and stuff. And when my, like, I I love being with my parents. But I think every time we did, like, a family holiday, I was like, ah, oh, we're travelling again. Like, we yeah. have to move. So, but then London was like, whoa, this is like, you know, it's like cinemas and theatres everywhere. And it was kind of like getting to the artistic sides as well i think mm. with london and i think definitely that trip
0: was one of the reasons why i'm still here today i think so in terms of artistic stuff like what was in your hometown what what did you do for like art
1: well film was
0: like a huge thing
1: and i, I think this again comes back to the, the parent trap the film it was kind of like i think at that age i was just starting to get awareness of well that, that like films are. You know, like you, you were asking before, like, oh, did you know it was, like, the same actress? Mm-hmm. And I was just starting to sort of, like, look into that kind of stuff. Like, oh, how did they make Star Wars? How did they make this mm-hmm. film? Like, so I think I think films were like, a big gateway into, you know, I guess a lot of people, like, in the 60s, for instance, were talking about, like, the early Bond films were kind mm-hmm. of, like, great, because at that point, people had just started to go traveling and discovering that, they're, you know, exotic places that you would see in films and stuff. So I think film was a huge thing. And then I used to, like... There they used to be this like drawing club, like painting and that mm-hmm. kind of thing that I used to go to. But yeah, those two things mainly, I think. And I like, I used to read a
0: lot as well, yeah. yeah. How many people in your school did It, it was no,
1: it was, and I think I'm pretty sure I was like the only ethnic kid there as well. I think there were, maybe it was like one other brown kid and like that was it. So it was kind of like, you know what I mean? Like you live in a small French town and yeah. you just go to school every day and then you see like a film where it's like London, like America, like, oh, summer camp. Like I'd never been to camp before. I think the mm-hmm. first time I went to camp, I was like 12 or something, which wasn't like my parents didn't used to send me off for summer holidays anyway, mm-hmm. Something So just that whole concept of like going out of your tiny little room was like yeah, yeah, yeah. quite a big thing, you know?
0: I guess also with it being with the films being a different language, I feel like when I was watching American films as a kid, right, I didn't make the distinction between America and the right. UK. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, kind of, I kind of thought of them as just being identical. Yeah, and I guess you always you have that ignorance of being like if English is your first language, you tend to just speak English. Like, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I didn't watch European right. films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, neither did I. Yeah. yeah, no. yeah. What, even when you were no, France? so I learned French
1: at school, but even then, I I just seemed to me like like because French film is very like. It's very serious, you know, and it's very like Lovely kids films. No, but they didn't really make French kids films. That's okay. the thing. It's all usually like American films dubbed. They, the French don't really have like a culture of like movies in the way that Americans do or anything uh-huh. like that. They kind of they for them for the French movies are more like I'm going to see a film at the art house theater. Uh-huh. You know, what I mean, or like a blockbuster. But there isn't really like a much of a variety, I think. And like obviously anything that was like older than you know. Nineteen ninety, I was like, "Oh my god, that film's so old." So yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't grow up watching those kind of films. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not what's his name, Tati? Is that like, the closest? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that any the, the French? It? <laughs> yeah, that's my, yeah. that's my, my, cultural reference. i right, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: yeah, I don't think I watched a Jacques Tati film until like, I think it was like four or five years ago, which uh, is pretty recent, like considering he did like a film degree and stuff. Yeah, yeah I'd yeah. never seen like, yeah.
0: Yeah, my um, grandma tried to get me into Laurel and Hardy, and I was oh, really? sort of liking that, but yeah, yeah, it was only like. at uni like looking at Chaplin where I really sort of got into Chaplin
1: yeah me too Chaplin was like a big I remember watching I was like 12 or something and I watched Great Dictator with my dad and I was like wow this is really funny Uh like how I was like there's no way this is like an old film or something this must be like yeah and then Obviously, like yeah, it's very old and a great link
0: between that and the parent trap, where you've got one actor playing two. Exactly, roles.
1: yeah, twins again, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so very yeah. much
0: that was central to your uh... <laughs> to, to my identity. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I
1: guess so. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but surely that—I mean—that film, were you? Did you understand the political context of that film?
1: Um, not all of it, obviously. I think I, I got most of it, but I don't think I got any of the like the nuance nor, nor the irony that you would have a Jewish barber becoming like a. Uh, you know I didn't really get that i got really? i got that it was this sort of totalitarian thing, and like you know they, they were as like metaphor for the Nazis and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, but I didn't really get any of the the like the more the subtler kind of um Again, we're talking about doubles, the uh, mm-hmm. reversal of uh, situations between the characters. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I really got any why that was funny. It was just like the more the, like the visual things and like the, the
0: regular and stuff. Yeah, I mean this is a bit of a tangent, but I yeah. saw um, Viva Vendetta at the Prince Charles. Oh right, on, it was, I think it was on Bonfire Night. Right, and I remember when I watched that when it came out. Right, and sort of um, seeing it as just like a fun romp and sort of yeah. be, and sort of being like understanding that the fascist government was like a metaphor for the nazis and yeah, stuff yeah. but very much seeing it in the past and then yeah. with the current political climate i remember watching mm. it recently and finding it terrifying how yeah. um the, relevant it yeah, is, yeah, yeah yeah and it's yeah. it's, it's it, i guess i'd kind of maybe this was a reflection of the time but I, I remember the growing up feeling very almost like the the bad things of the past were over yeah, and everything was yeah. going to be comfortable and then it's kind of then reevaluating know, that
1: right that's interesting yeah i i, I didn't really like *V from the first time i saw it be, because it was quite bleak but and then i was like i was just a kid so i was just like oh, this is like yeah, this yeah. is weird yeah yeah but i think i had a similar thing with iron man actually where like the first time i saw it i was like oh it's a cool like fun because that came out around the same time i think mm-hmm. like and i was like oh it's just a fun like superhero film But then you grow up and you're like oh it's kind of a comment on like tech and capitalism
0: mm-hmm. and like all of those kind of subtle things that you don't really get when you're yeah
1: when you're younger, yeah.
0: Although, I'm, I'm sure I've read some of those, those Marvel films that like they're very... Like, there's a way you can look at them that they're very pro-military. <laughs> like they're Absolutely, sort of... yeah, yeah, yeah. Worryingly, so, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there was something where, like, maybe this was with Captain Marvel where they'd, like, teamed up with the US military to use some of their equipment. Right. But then were, like, using them in, like, adverts to get people to join the military. I'm, oh, really? I like yeah. making that up, though. Oh, I'll, wow. I'll definitely... I'll fact check that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I, yeah. This is where I'm sort of... Very dubiously trying to link us to other stuff. So, right, this was right, right. from Jeffrey McNabb in The Independent, Doubles right. in Movies. Right. There was an obvious difference between stories about impersonators, doubles, and identical twins, whether Lohan in the Parent Trap or Army Hammer as the Winklevoss brothers in the social network, and those about characters with dual personality disorder. But for filmmakers, the difference is blurred. Whether an actor is playing two separate people or one, the end effect is the same. So, this is going to, I'm just going to jump off that into doppelgangers. Sure. So,. Apparently in 2014, we had a load of doppelganger films. Oh, right. So we had Enemy, The Double, and The Face of Love. Right. So Alyssa Wilkinson says that this new trend was brought about by social media. Right. So we're all suffering from fear of missing out, or FOMO as it's known. We're confronted on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter with hourly updates of how wonderful everyone else's life is. I think that's the root of our doppelganger obsession and fear in this modern age. We're afraid we're not enough, and so we're creating our own doubles in our Facebook profiles. Those whom we wish would love us might prefer us if we were better, prettier, sexier, more likable. I call it the idea of our better double. Ask yourself this. Is my Facebook self really me? So that's what I'm going to ask you. Is your Facebook self really you? Interesting.
1: Sometimes, yes, sometimes. I think my my use of Facebook has definitely changed a lot over the years. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. at uni, I was very like, I post everything, I'll share everything. But now I'm a lot more reserved, I think. It's also because I'm like, I think as a person, I'm a lot better in my skin than I used to be. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you kind of... It's weird how when you're more comfortable with yourself, you kind of go away from social media definitely. a bit, you know what I mean? But and but when you're looking to fill that void, you kind of end up on it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, that stuff about, like, the, you're afraid you're not going to be enough. I definitely have that a lot in my life. Like, uh, whether it's at work or, you know, with my partner or, like, it's always quite... I feel like duality is one of those things where it, obviously it's on a spectrum, but you, you always feel... Especially, like, for, like, being a, a guy, for instance. Mm-hmm. You're always... You're always forced to like, oh, you've got to be nice. You've got to be the nice guy. But then you can't be too nice because then people are going to walk over you. So you've kind of had to have this. You've got to please everyone. And Mm. I think that's probably why duality is quite appealing. And again, like the parent trap, you know, one is stuck up and one's laid back and one's kind of posh. And the other one's, you know, American. So she's a bit more relatable. And one is in one side of the world and the other. So you always have that that spectrum of you know what am i going to be good enough for the world yeah, kind yeah. of thing but and you never ask yourself is the world good enough for me you know mm-hmm. and, has, and you end up sort of splitting yourself like that yeah yeah but for me i think there's there i think I, the selves i value the most are the ones that i have gotten over mm-hmm. in a way i think yeah, we all go through like phases in life and stuff but for me it's when i look back i'm like oh yeah i used to be that guy a couple of years ago good yeah. i don't have to be that guy anymore you Yeah. Know? i think it's more a thing of Like I did all that shit and now it's done and I can put it behind me. I don't think I quite enjoy changing gears very much in daily life. I find Mm. that quite jarring. And I feel quite, um, I tend to compensate a lot by like talking a lot or being very confident or Mm -hmm. very annoying. So I think that the cells I prefer are probably ones where I'm more sort of in the background and kind of just being comfortable with with who i
0: am and mm. not so much that kind of like
1: yeah let's go party or yeah, yeah let's do,
0: oh i'm really good at this or yeah. you know what i mean overcompensating a bit yeah yeah I we say about changing gears i find it interesting where if i meet someone or a group of people and i'm really awkward for the first week or so right. i find it really difficult to get out of that pattern well, oh, I, feel really? like I kind of like oh i'm the awkward guy in this and, I, and, right. I and then i can't get out of it
1: interesting okay i don't really know what i'm like around new people i because I don't really, I mean, I guess people at work is different because it's like a professional relationship. I'm not, I not—I don't really go to parties and meet new people. I, te- I do tend to be quite shy, I guess, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And like humor is always a, like a good tool for yeah, like, yeah. I tend to be the jokey one who's like, ah, oh, uh, you know, I did this thing once and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, oh, what an idiot, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, in,
0: a, like in a self-effacing way or?
1: Not self-effacing way, more kind of like, I think, I think my girlfriend does this as well. She like, it's almost like if you make a fool of yourself, people can relax and Make mm. a fool of themselves too. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I find that I I don't I weirdly enough I don't feel comfortable when someone holds me in too high regards mm. or is talking to me about something really serious because then there's almost like a wall there where you have to live up to you know what they do. Like I don't know, it's weird because I make films so as well, like short films and stuff. So it's if so I, I would rather someone looked at my film and was like huh, hey, that shot's really funny because you can see the microphone in the background sorry yeah. but like oh yeah it is yeah yeah that's yeah that's stupid but if someone is like oh no i really like you know i really like what you said in that film i think that's really interesting the use of music i sort of go cool i don't really know what to it's a bit weird you know what i mean because yeah, then yeah. It, there's like a you they put you in a box and you kind of have to be that person and generally the people i feel most comfortable with are people where i can just I can just joke around and not Mm. live up to anything really yeah
0: do you feel like you if the mic was in shot or something to um because you to stop someone else from having that on you as a attack do you come in first and and would you point out the sort of errors that's interesting
1: I I do tend to I think lower people's I think that's quite that's one of the smarter things that I do is I tend to lower people's expectations of myself I think I think when I was younger I used to be like when I say younger maybe like uh, 15, 16, 17, I always used to want to impress other people with, mm-hmm. with things and kind of be like, yeah, you like, oh, I really like this band. Yeah, this this one song, that album's really good, you know, so that then they would go, oh, wow, he knows that, man. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, oh, and then I guess as you get older, you're kind of like, oh, that's a lot of effort to, like, mm-hmm. try and be always on it all the time. Yeah. And so not so much these days, yeah. But de- yeah, definitely when I was younger, you kind of want to be – because you're kind of building yourself up as well, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of trying to find things that you like – and things that you can use kind of later on, longer term. But I don't know, still, like, meeting new people is a tough thing, especially if you're kind of like a dork, like, you know, like <laughs> I am, and you like movies and films and stuff. It's quite, like, when I'm at a party, I'm like, ah, oh, what am i going to do, yeah. But people likes movies and films, don't they? They do, but I feel like it's, it's a weird, it's an odd, it's kind of an odd bridge in a way, where you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I did film studies, what kind of films do you like? You know what I mean? Mm. It's kind of, I don't know. And I'm very, I'm a very pragmatic person, almost to a fault sometimes, so I tend to be like... Right, what are we going to do right now? What do we need to... I I kind of find it hard to
0: not be self-absorbed when I'm in a situation where I feel a bit threatened, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, I mean, this might be the opposite of what you're saying, or maybe not, but I feel like I have to check myself from not having... Um in, I don't know inflating the importance of my opinion if, especially with, oh, films, really? like with film stuff where I feel like if I meet someone and they say something that like, I disagree with right. I can write them off pretty quickly and maybe that seems oh, like really? so it seems like you would be the complete opposite in that way you would, or do you, do you get like that?
1: I don't know I don't think I've ever been in that situation before like talking about no I tend to agree with the person quite a lot okay. I, I think I, oddly enough I think if I trust the person enough I will disagree with them because I'm like I can have this argument with that person yeah, yeah. and they're not going to hate me but I think if it's someone new that I've met or someone who I'm not sure about I'd be like, ha, 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 yeah, you're right, that film is shit. And then yeah. secretly think, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah, so I think I tend to be quite, like, more, like, malleable, I guess. I, as an, I'm more, I think, more an extrovert now than I used to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What about you? Do you think you're... Because I have this conversation with my girlfriend all the time, like, whether you're an... It is bullshit anyway, like, introvert, extrovert thing. But, like... With, it's, it's a double. It is a double. <laughs> it's another double, yeah. No, but it's interesting, because personally, I, had, I literally had this uh, New Yorker article in my pocket the other day that was about personality testing and Mm -hmm. that most personality tests like 99 percent personality tests always come down to a sort of binary of some form Mm -hmm. like you're like introverted or extroverted or you you're more rational or more emotional or you're Mm -hmm. more of like a structured person or you know unstructured person and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's almost like the doubles this kind of like thing that you can never really it's like a point of reference you can't get away Mm -hmm. from it's like as humans we haven't really found a way of not categorizing each other with regards to like um uh, like duality or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's called, or opposition. I guess is a better word for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess because it, it always breaks down, isn't it? If you've just got the the binary, because I feel like yeah. a friend of mine, she, um, to a lot of people, would come across as very extroverted when you meet right, her. Right. But she's doing that because she's so anxious, she's overcompensating. I see what you mean. And it's no, kind of yeah. like where would that person fit on that spectrum? Because they're kind of exactly in yeah. their head, they're very conscious, but everyone else is seeing, oh wow, they're life and soul of the party. Right. Right. And right. then you get to, I don't know, but. I would compensate for out with alcohol. Like right. Yeah, yeah. And we were going to a friend's birthday party. Yeah. And they were in a pub and there was a pub next door. Right. And I was thinking, I'm going to go in this pub next door first and have a pint before I go and see these I people. I oh, right. Just so I could really You'd warm up yeah, and kind of yeah, relax. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, recently I went out with, it was a friend and a load of people that I'd never met before. Right. And I was consciously like, okay, I mean, I need to get yeah. drunk for this and then drank way too much and was ill. And oh, sort no. of, you know, it was kind of like, I'm very conscious of that that's not a cure for the issue. Like It's like very much a case of trying you know, get to get to a point where I don't need that. don't need alcohol, yeah, yeah. But it's difficult. I'm the
1: opposite, so I tend to be very extroverted around people I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's like my true self or whatever. But around yeah, around new people, I tend to be quite shy and quite very um, analytical. So I'm very like, oh, maybe I could come in at this moment with this joke and mm-hmm. that will diffuse attention a bit or something. Yeah, I tend yeah. to be quite strategic, which is stupid because... Yeah, you know, it's a bit like you know, it's like it's not a military operation. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, but that's how I tend to approach like new situations. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. And do you interact better in big groups or like one on I'm not quite sure. It's a good question, actually. I think with I think with big groups, I get distracted easier. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I tend to be like, oh, I could talk to this person. Oh, I wonder what that person's like doing on the weekend or something. In a smaller group, I think it's. I, I don't know i, I do find sm- that's weird i've never thought about that small groups are a bit harder i guess mm. it's a bit like going to a small club right like you're in a small club you're kind of like everyone's more of a threat as an individual because they're kind of there's less of them mm-hmm. so whereas in a bigger club it's kind of like oh, i'm
0: just one in the masses you yeah, know no yeah. one really cares about me which yeah. is
1: comforting yeah i don't
0: know yeah. what about you um I would, I would say it would be like a smallish group where I've got an anchor of people that I know. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause then I feel like I, I feel less pressure to kind of right. perform, I guess. Right. Okay. But, um, cause, cause then, the, cause the, if the room becomes so big, then it's sort of everyone splinters, don't they? And then you suddenly end up in these, in weird these little bubbles.
1: Packs, yeah. And you can't really walk up to a group and be like, hey, I'm Sid, by the way.
0: Hey. Yeah. I saw some. it was some tweet that made the joke. It was like, jesus's biggest accomplishment was being a guy in his 30s who had 12 close friends right <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's really like how like there's so many like systems in place to meet partners yeah but, like fewer or it seems um it's almost less socially acceptable to seek out friends even though we've got like a mass amount of loneliness amongst young Absolutely. people Absolutely, and
1: it's almost like it comes across as more desperate if you're looking for mm. a friend than if you're looking for a partner which is a very weird dynamic because like most of the times you end up dating someone that you're sort of friendly with anyway mm-hmm. so it's a bit weird to yeah i don't know it's just, yeah i uh, i think i think that's bullshit though. I, that's why I like like comic uh comic con and like that's kind of like really nerdy because mm-hmm. everyone just comes as they're double in a way they come yeah, as yeah. like themselves like the person they see themselves as wanting to be inside or something mm-hmm. and therefore everyone's a bit more like oh right okay you're the you're zelda cool yeah. like oh you know it's like a very straightforward thing but it's funny how like mundane life is a lot more Difficult to navigate, I think, because yeah, yeah. things are a lot less clear.
0: Yeah, I, I went to um, a, it was like a Halloween, and I went to a club in a flash morph suit. Right, right. And my friends all made the distinction about how different I was with the mask on and the mask off. Really, where, where I was just so sort of able to just not give a shit when the, when the mask was on. 'Cause I was sort of just Being you, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then but as soon as I could see people more clearly yeah. or people could see me, I became much more conscious about oh yeah. wait, maybe this dance move that I'm doing doesn't look as cool as I want it to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then people are like, Oh, you're that guy who dances a bit weird. Yeah. And you're like, Oh no
0: shit. Like yeah. 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 even though for a friend of mine he's not like a a great dancer but yeah. he like he's, he's committed and i, I respect see. him more than like anyone like, yeah, the time yeah. like that is not working that does not look visually like it's yeah it's <laughs> yeah, terrible but yeah. you are yeah. in it and i'm like yeah. that, I, I respect that more than this, uh, an amazing dancer
1: i i really i think dance was like one of the rare things that i'm okay at and and that was a huge relief because I only, I never went out as a teenager, really. Mm. I think I went to like one club once, and then, and it, I started going out at uni, and it was a weird thing of like, in a way, knowing how to dance kind of saved me because I could just disappear. I could just yeah. be like the dancing guy. Do you know yeah. what I mean?
0: I think it's terrifying, like going out. I don't know if this is a bit of a wanky question, but what was yeah. leading on? So, say you were to meet yourself through different ages, okay, do you think you'd get on. That's really, you know, I ask
1: myself that question quite a lot because I, I, as I grow uh, older, I kind of think. What advice would I give my younger self or something? I think, I think, I think the nine-year-old me, ironically, which is how old I was when I saw the movie, (laughs) would really like the the me that I am now because I'm kind of like the weird older brother I never had. So I was I was the oldest brother in my family, and I never really had anyone to turn me on to cool films or music or anything. I kind of had to discover all of that through older nerds, you know, who would like introduce me to like Star Wars and like Lord of the Rings and all that. So I think, yeah, nine-year-old me and, and now me would really like each other. I think 15-year-old me would have a problem with uh-huh. current me just because I was quite insecure, I think, as a 15-year-old. And I was, again, trying to, like, prove myself all the time. And the me now would be like, oh, 15-year-old me is trying so hard. <laughs> yeah. like, what, you know. And 50-year-old me would be like, I don't like, he's a bit intimidating and he's mm. very, like, talks all the time. Like, So, yeah, I don't think so. And I don't remember what I was like as a kid. I think I was quite shy again. So mm-hmm. probably, yeah, I don't know. What about you?
0: Uh, I feel like every version of me would be wanting to impress the older version. Oh, really? And, and hate the younger version. And hate the there. younger version. So right. you'd be like trying to talk to this person who's like five years older, you're trying to impress them. And then meanwhile, really? you like will, will this kid just fucking leave me alone. Really? I mean, yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's
1: interesting. I, okay. I don't think I, I, I've i never really been dismissive of like people younger than me. Mm-hmm. Only only if they're like really annoying. But I always find it quite like, because I'm a bit of a narcissist. Like mm-hmm. I always quite like it when someone younger than me is like, oh yeah let's watch that movie oh yeah can you show me that cool thing that yeah, you yeah, did yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah but yeah yeah so um my sister and i are twins and we were like the youngest in our family so oh, another, really? another double uh, oh, wow. with, okay. so we um like i never was around like younger kids right and, like, only like relatively recently have i right. ever even like had any sort of contact and even then it's not been a lot yeah, and so it's yeah. kind of like i just don't know what to do around kids they just sort of i, see, I right. don't know how to interact with them and i find right, like it right. pretty awkward Oh, wow. But I have the same thing with dogs, so it's not like a... <laughs> uh, it's not like a
1: weird thing, yeah. I, I think I'm really good with kids, but I don't think I... <laughs> I think I don't know. I think I've still got, like, a childish mentality a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that, like... Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Uh, it's weird because I feel like, in a way, I'm always trying to fulfill the kid's idea of what I wanted to be when I was growing up, mm. you know? So, yeah, I think that's, like, a recurring thing. What Wait, right?
0: Did you not go for that thing where it's your young... And you kind of, your expectations are so huge of what you feel like your life's going yeah. to be. And then it's sort of like dawns up it gets less and less as it goes along. Or is that just my experience? No, <laughs> I agree.
1: But I also think that when I was a kid, I just wanted to, because I wasn't cool. I wasn't like a cool kid at school mm-hmm. or anything like that, because I, I was a dork. So I think being a teenager was like a massive like dip in the middle, like massive disappointment. Mm-hmm. But I actually think that I would be like, oh no, like, yeah, 23 year old Sid is actually pretty cool. Yeah. It's better than I expected it to be. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I think my expectations are actually higher now because mm. I know what I can do yeah. and like I know where I could go and especially you're confronted with a lot of people who are like a lot better than you at a lot of different things mm-hmm. like say so, you know you meet like someone who's like five years younger than you who's already got like an award from a major film festival and you're like oh screw you, you know, <laughs> yeah. I wish I was you know so you, you kind of get a bit more bitter I think with
0: age uh-huh.
1: for me anyway yeah,
0: yeah no, I've definitely had it when about the time when the olympians were the same age as me and i was like holy shit like these yeah, are like, yeah, these yeah. people are doing so much i'm doing nothing i sort of yeah. got past that now i still got friends right. who, who get annoyed whenever they mention that someone is like a successful singer yeah. is like younger than them yeah, yeah but now i'm sort of at the point where like if i'd if i'd invested all this time trying to be a singer yeah and maybe i'd be upset but it's just like not my it's intention. not your thing
1: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i think it's weird i think age is just a number though at the end of the day i, I think when you're a kid you're you're purer so you don't you don't tend to be as so like competitive or trying to prove it like you know because the deadline of life isn't really approaching mm-hmm. so you're kind of just like oh whatever like this person's cool but i do think i get i've gotten a lot more envious of other people or a lot of my peers getting older and i could mm-hmm. compare myself a lot more whereas as a kid i wasn't really like that yeah yeah
0: i felt like as a kid i was because i was, so in school i would i would work hard and then get decent grades right and i kind of felt like the whole world was like that and it was like a meritocracy. Oh, really? I okay. kind of, okay. it was only if going to uni being like, oh, actually, no, like the, the cards were stacked in my favour. Right. And it's kind right. of like, it's not like that. And it's kind yeah. of like, that is sort of, I don't know, changed my perception
1: quite a lot. It's a weird thing though because I, I can relate to what you're saying because I always thought I always saw myself as this like, oh my god, I have it so hard. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm younger than everyone else and like whatever and uh, and girls don't like me and all that. And then you realize I realized going to uni just how privileged I was and mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus, man, like wow, of all the shit that could have happened to me yeah, yeah, yeah. in that real world, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very glad that I you know Yeah. But I mean everything feels massive
0: when you're a teenager. Like Do you think? Yeah, do you know how that like it was like it was uh I know someone um, said something to you at school which you didn't like and that's like the end of the... Uh, yeah, well. yeah, I
1: see what you mean. Or like you don't get on with someone or your dad says something your mum yeah, like yeah. does it and then that, yeah, that becomes like you're miserable for like the whole weekend. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I can't live here anymore. I'm going to have to yeah. live here. <laughs> How dare you tell me that my hair looks shit today. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it was weird. I remember when I first came back it was like a couple of months after I started uni. I went back to my hometown and realized how small everything was. Mm. And I was like, what? This is so weird. Like, everything's yeah, yeah. tiny. And yeah, that was that was quite a strange experience. Do
0: you go back often?
1: I don't really. Maybe like a couple of times a year just because of like money. And mm-hmm. you know, being in London
0: is quite busy. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like coming from a small town that London's overwhelming?
1: I think it's overwhelming, but not because of the size. I think it's overwhelming because everyone is kind of a bit of a dick. Yeah. Know? Like, yeah. because people don't they don't really say hi to you they know they're kind of rushing to get to somewhere or they're mm-hmm. not they're quite rude like I, I do miss the everyone sort of knowing each other you know like mm. oh yeah you're that woman from the shop yeah, yeah, yeah how are yeah. you doing yeah. you know how's your kid and you know in London people don't really have time for that it's yeah. kind of like even when you're at a party, it's like, oh, I'm either going get laid or get drunk mm-hmm. or get really drunk so I can dance and impress someone mm-hmm. or I'm here to... You know, people are less... They're always, like, trying... Ironically, coming back to the double thing, they're always trying to be something that they're not, I feel, mm-hmm. in London, you know? And especially the younger people that are very, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I'm at this club. Let me take, like, a million pictures of myself so I can put on Instagram, you yeah. know, how cool my life is, you know? I remember I had a, a couple of friends who... I wanted to be in a band with. And I kind of... That didn't work out and we were not really friends anymore. But, like, I just realised, like, wow, those people really, like... They never enjoy just being in the moment. They're always Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, look cool and act cool and be... You know, I don't know. It just seems a bit... Like, they're trying too hard. You know, again, coming back to the double thing. Like, they're trying to be the Instagram self rather than
0: the real self. Well, I think that does link to... uh, I've got... So, obviously, we all know FOMO, but are we aware of JOMO? What's JOMO? (laughs) So, JOMO is the joy of missing out. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, we've got... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the worst word I've ever yeah. heard. Okay. But, so, I've got one, two, three, four, six bullet points of wow. how we can experience JOMO. Okay. So, um, the... To, uh, so, the first one is be intentional with your time. Okay. Is that something that you feel like... Because I feel like talking about the pace of London. I just feel yeah. like I'm constantly just trying to keep up with absolutely. everything. And I'm not absolutely. really... I'm never, like, sit down. Oh, that's mm. bullet point two. Give yourself permission to live in the present. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I'm constantly in my head, I'm thinking, once I've done X, then I'll be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you yeah. do... How... Do you ever... Are you ever able to live in the present, do you feel?
1: I, I think I am, but I tend to... It's weird. I think I tend to live in the present so I can get it over and done with and move on. Like he was saying, get mm-hmm. move on to the next day. And I think I have a trouble, especially in London, like slowing down, like going, I'm just gonna have an evening tonight where I just don't do anything. Yeah. Um but I think Joy of Missing Out does like I do get that when when I can't go to something, I'm like, Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm good. Like yeah. I'm glad I don't have to go to that thing. Or when I really like I really actually enjoy like making films and working. Like my job, I really kind of enjoy that. So missing out on that would be a, a bit of a shame but i think anything that's a bit fluffier or like parties or going out or a picnic or something mm-hmm. like that it's always a big for me it's a big, it's one of those things where i can it's around other people so i can't really be myself you know mm. whereas if i'm sitting in my home like in bed i kind of i'm just like oh yeah i'm missing out on the world and
0: screw you guys i don't need it yeah.
1: so yeah
0: yeah well, like for this bank holiday weekend i went home and it was just kind of like just sitting around in the sun yeah and i yeah, it was yeah. like just felt it felt like relaxed for the first time in, in ages right because like right. like, i kind of tend to have this feeling in the back of my head like you need to be doing x like make sure you do this yeah and yeah. you're wasting your time sitting around sitting around right, kind of yeah. because i wasn't near a computer yeah i was kind of able to just like disconnect them. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. which yeah. is another point on my on jomo, JoMo it, yeah, is yeah. to um embrace tech free time yeah absolutely yeah yeah
1: i actually think how playing an instrument really helps with that like i play guitar and it really helps with just focusing on something that's very material and mm. not something that is like a virtual because actually social media and the internet really requires a lot of abstract thought like weirdly and if you kind of have to be able to you know link this thing to that thing and all oh, this tv shows out oh yeah when's that coming out like it's quite exhausting actually mm. But focusing on something like a physical activity or something like a craft or something that yeah. you're doing is really good, I think. Yeah. that, You know, and you're kind of like, I don't have to go to this party because I'm like, you know, sewing this shirt, mm. you know, something. Like yeah, you know, I hear
0: like knitting's supposedly really good for mental health. Like, think about that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're pretty good on Jomo. I feel.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're. Yeah, we're pretty. It's funny because I feel like you're and me are quite different personality-wise, <clears> but <throat> we both understand that it's really important to just be alone sometimes. Yeah. You
0: know. Well, outside of social media, I've also yeah. discovered this thing called doppelganger hunting, right? which is okay. a new a new trend. I don't know how many right. Maybe six people are doing right, it, but they've right. ask us about it, where people go on these websites where you upload a picture of yourself. It's, oh, really? And it gives you, like, a doppelganger from across the yeah, world. Yeah, and you yeah, get yeah. To, I don't quite know what the pleasure is from that, but is that something that you've done to sort of um, sate that first for the parent trap? No, I
1: think... I think <laughs> well, it's funny because I, it, that really links into race quite like... Obviously, on the podcast, you can't tell, but I'm, like, half Asian. So mm-hmm. I think, weirdly enough, like... I was always identified as being Asian, so I didn't really, need, I didn't really feel the need to be in a box or see a version of myself because I already, and I know, was like, oh, I'm the Asian guy, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so it's, I don't know, it's quite a weird thing. I think movies are about doppelgangers anyway, right? Because it's all about identifying with a more attractive version of yourself on screen, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So like when middle-aged men watch James Bond, it's kind of like, oh, that's me, up there, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like some yeah, fantasy, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think, I think it's, yeah, I think. I'm Word, I don't. I didn't think doubles would be such a huge like part of my <laughs> like philosophy of things. either. Yeah. yeah.
0: So moving on, this is another big leap that I'm taking right. from sort of social media to the shadow self. Okay. So this is, I just got this from Wikipedia. So in Jungian philosophy, the shadow may refer to an unconscious aspect of the personality which mm. the conscious ego does not identify in itself, or the entirety of the unconscious. Let me just go to the easier version. So this is from Harley Therapy the shadow self, what it is and how can it help you. So the shadow is a side of your personality that contains all the parts of yourself that you don't want to admit to having. I see, right. Do you feel like there's parts of your personality that you... <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think I call it the blind spot. I think it's a part of yourself that you've
1: kind of... You know is there secretly and I think that's probably what Jung is saying, that you sort of, you don't identify it in yourself because you don't want to but you kind of subconsciously know that it's there or you know that you have a shadow self. Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know, for me it's... Uh, I think I'm a lot more, I think I'm quite a nice, good person, and I think a lot of the time I choose not to see that in myself because I don't want to be taken advantage of, so I kind of tend to get very defensive, I think, and I Mm -hmm. think that started from, like, being a teenager and realizing that, you know, I wasn't the strongest guy or the best-looking guy or, like, the most popular or anything, so I kind of had to develop, like, a skill set of things I could do to protect myself, like, Mm -hmm. having a sense of humor as one of those things, but then that shadow self is almost like no actually being nice is really is a good thing you know like mm. and being a good person and helping other people for the sake of it is a really good thing which is weird because that's probably the opposite of what most people like on social media most people want to be like very like attractive and like nice and you know like appealing to other people but for me it was always this idea of like no i want to be this like pirate guy who's like really cool and like people you know like johnny depp kind of character. Yeah, yeah. you
0: know what i mean yeah so i don't know yeah Big question, but do you, do you say you like yourself overall?
1: I think I do, but I think I'm also—it's a bit of a self-defeating question for, for me in particular because I'm very pragmatic. Again, so I would be like, "Well, I neither like nor dislike myself because I'm stuck with you know I'm kind of stuck mm-hmm. with myself, so I don't really have anything else to to go with." Yeah.
0: What about you? Uh, the big question. <laughs> yeah, it is big, isn't it? Um, yeah. It fluctuates a lot. Right. Like, okay. I like. I remember speaking to a friend around Christmas yeah. time and being like. I finally feel like I'm at a point where I like myself. I like myself, right? Okay. And then I just plummeted over the like the genuine February. Oh, wow. and they got to a point where I was like, "God, you are a piece of shit." And then slowly managed to crawl out of that. But you see, I've never so what not without getting too like personal if you don't want to, mm-hmm. but like what what
1: would you say? Because I never felt like, oh wow, I'm a piece of shit. Like I've never felt ashamed of myself. But <laughs> coming back to the shadow self, there are times when I've been like, oh, I didn't realize. That, I didn't realise I did that or you could, you do something and you forget about it and then years later it comes back to you and you're like oh maybe I shouldn't have done that yeah, I don't yeah. know but for you what is the kind of like trigger like,
0: um, it feels like I have it a lot so I can't really think of there's one right. thing about it um, it can be little things like it can be in an interaction feeling like I said something right. or like didn't convey that very well or so uh, you're very hard on yourself I think is what you're saying like you're kind of very Oh, I could have done better
1: at this. Yeah, or I could have. Right. Okay.
0: I, I, was, I saw. I saw another quote where someone was saying, "I don't think I'm a piece of shit, but I have to tell myself I am to get better." Mm, okay. Right. And I don't think that's a healthy way to live. But I think that's kind of how I live. I see. So you you t-
1: you need to push yourself, and you need you need it to hurt before yeah. you transcend yourself or something. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I find it um, in my head if I see someone who's happy i think of them as beings like um i don't stupid in being happy oh really
1: yeah okay but well, i think no but i think that i think that's a cultural thing i was listening to chris hardwick he's got a podcast on spotify and he's mm-hmm. saying like we have this really bad tendency to see misery as like something that's more enlightened like mm, miserable definitely, definitely. you know like if you're an intellectual you've got to be miserable because yeah. you're smart people are miserable and dumb people are happy mm-hmm. and, and but actually that you know that's a very stupid idea in, it, mm. in itself because you know choosing to be miserable is not going to
0: help you in life yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean but yeah do you, um, you see the film Frank with Michael Fassman I didn't actually no no Cause there's a bit in that where he's like um this performer who makes all this amazing music yeah and um, this guy who's obsessed with him says to his mum he's like God, it, it, I wish I had that kind of um, his depression essentially so that I would be able to pull yeah. this music out and right. she's sort of like well no like he couldn't make the music when he was depressed It was like that if, if he wasn't depressed he'd make such better music yeah. and we kind of have this idea of the um, uh, what was it the depressed artist yeah and it's kind of like actually yeah. that's kind of bullshit well, we romanticize, you know, like if you see the
1: shadow self as being this like negative thing with primarily like negative connotations, we tend to idolize that nowadays a lot more. Like you know, you think about like rock stars and celebrities and fame and all of that stuff that's really unhealthy, yeah, yeah. like you know, sex drugs and rock and roll. Whatever. That's kind of like oh yeah, I want to be that. Yeah, yeah. But actually, that's not like the opposite of what you want to be. A lot of that stuff often like distracts people from doing what they do best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That in a way, when you've got when you've got a skewed. Idea of yourself, or a
0: skewed version of what you want to be. That's really, that's really unhealthy. Obviously, mm. yeah. So, um, in Hannah Gatsby's Nanette there's a bit where she talks about people talking about Van Gogh and sort of being like, um talking about his pain, creating his yeah. art, and she's yeah. like, "Well, no, like his pain made made him like really depressed, and he cut off his ear, like." Yeah, But yeah. we sort of see this as we hold this Absolutely. up as being like a great yeah. thing about him when actually it Absolutely. wasn't. It was his his work that was great. Yeah,
1: and we said it, it's a typical thing. And like when you think of films, for instance, you see comedy as being an inferior thing to tragedy or drama mm-hmm. when in fact it's a lot harder to make someone laugh than it is to make them sad you know yeah, when yeah. make them sad you just talk about cancer or whatever or AIDS mm-hmm. or something you know like yeah. um and yeah c- weirdly coming back to the parent trap like i think when i saw it at the time it obviously it's had got had a big impact on me but i think i just didn't come back to it because you don't see it as being this like you know it's a, like a disney film and mm-hmm. it's fun and it's a comedy and you don't see it as being that rich but i actually you know, further down the line you're like actually it's quite hard to do to make to make someone feel good when you're making a movie for instance you know? mm. it's kind of seen as this like oh popcorn thing and like yeah, serious yeah. films are miserable you know mm. like Schindler's List oh what a great movie <laughs> yeah you know? it's like but who actually watches Schindler's List you know <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know yeah I don't know no I agree yeah, and I think a lot of that shadow stuff is because it's a construction. I tend to put to channel that into making films and music and stuff because mm-hmm. it's not me, but I see that as a good thing rather than oh, like there's a part of me that's not. Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: So is that is that the same as what we were saying about those creators who have their dark sides that we put that up on a pedestal? Is that different?
1: I think it's slightly different because I think with the say with Van Gogh, it's kind of it's weird because I just had an exhibition yesterday. <laughs> um, I think we tend to. St- a lot of people try very hard to be as miserable as they are so they mm. think that you know it's like a validation of that but I think with the shadow self it's a different thing whereby it's more of a exploring different aspects of yourself as opposed mm. to being one thing like one miserable guy. yeah I think it's a more general thing with the creative like channel it into your creative work because mm-hmm. it's you know, again, with the double, it's kind of like you're exploring, oh, maybe like in this song or in this film, you know, I'm going to write a part like this or, you know, like a performance yeah. kind of thing, you know. Yeah. I think, say, like people like Mick Jagger, for instance, like they, it must be so cool to, to have that power of being able to be a completely different person all the time mm. because I can imagine that being quite liberating. Yeah. Whereas being Van Gogh would be very, it wouldn't be liberating at all. You'd be like, oh, I'm just, I'm this tortured, miserable, depressed kind of guy all the time, you know. Yeah. I think with the shadow self, it's more of like if you can embrace it, it's more of a, it can be really stimulating. Yeah, mm. yeah. I guess. I don't know. No, maybe Mick Jagger hates himself. <laughs> 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 Why do I have so many
0: children? <laughs> oh. Now, I've also got seven ways to spot your shadow self and how to use it to become free. So one, you harbour harsh criticisms or judgments of others. No. So it seems like, I think these seem to be, we seem to be the opposite on this because I said earlier that I do. You do, yeah. And yeah, then yeah, you yeah, don't. Yeah. Um, you exercise unnecessary power of those who are in subordinate positions.
1: Yeah, but that's not a bad thing, is it? It's
0: an awful <laughs> thing. Is that the worst one on the list? I'm, I'm thinking of, like, um, people who are rude to
1: waiters. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not that kind of thing. I think more, like, I enjoy having influence over other people. Okay. And dominating them in some way. But not. no, I, I wouldn't be. No, I wouldn't be. I'd never be. I'd hate be, to be rude to someone. No, okay. no. I always worry about that quite a lot, so it's just a power play yeah I think i just enjoy the waiter
0: knows that you, you're you in control so there's no yeah. need for you to be I would love it if the
1: wait so I love it when waiters are like well I would suggest that one and I'd be like that's oh thank you yeah that's really interesting you know what I mean like whereas if someone takes no interest in me I'd be like oh well okay screw yeah. you then no, <laughs> I can't stand some
0: suggestions and yeah. if someone asks a waiter like what would you recommend really? I can't stand that are you really serious I, right? because I feel like they don't know you. Your, your taste is so specific. How are right. they going to be able to recommend something to you?
1: Yeah, but I would see it as like oh, it's a power thing. Oh, they're trying, which means they want to like me or they want me to like them, which is ridiculous because it's their job. Like, they're, yeah. away, they're, just, and, or they're bored or something, you know. Yeah. But I would see it as like a flattering thing,
0: yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, you play victim? No. You jockey for position by using others? What would that, in what context? Would that be... I feel like when I was at school... I would know my friends who are higher in the social hierarchy and try and use them as like yeah. a as a leapfrog to be able to get into the higher social cliques.
1: Oh, so like in a basic way, like you would hang out with a cool kid, so you would be cool. Yeah. No, I don't think I'd do that because, I'm again, I'm too much of a pra- uh, pragmatic person. I would be like, no, I'm not cool. There's no point trying. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I would just... And I actually, almost to the, to the other side of that, I tend to often hang out with people who are um who are uh, sort of I say lesser than yeah, me I don't mean that in like the, <laughs> no, no, the lesser human beings I like, just mean yeah. like I tend you know, to the poor person, I know what you say. yeah yeah <laughs> exactly. The poor common people you know don't have what I have. No, like um people who they're like the outcasts or the yeah. rejects or, or people who are perceived to be that you know yeah, because yeah. Like, it, A it makes me feel better about like oh no I can be the cool person sometimes but I also feel like it's a more of a realistic thing to be because I you know I'd be like well no what's the point in trying to be a cool person or yeah. higher up yeah does that,
0: does that ever get like big fish small pond where if you're yeah, like if yeah. you do you feel like you would ever hang around with people who uh are outcasts so that then within that group your station is higher than it would be in a group where you'd feel like
1: i i think i do but i, I think it's again it's a question of balance so i think you need both i think if you're always the big fish in the small pond that's really unhealthy because you're you're never going to grow, really, as a person. But at the same time, I'm just quite a dominating. And I come across as, like, mm. if you just listen to this, you'll be like, oh, well, it sounds like a dick. But I think <laughs> I just tend to, like, I tend to be very confrontational with people. And I like getting viewpoints across. Mm. And I like to make things happen, which means that, as a tendency, I tend to be with people who are less sort of alpha, because otherwise it just wouldn't work, you know, if mm. you're with people who are constantly competing against you. Not in a malicious way, but just, yeah, a- yeah. as a matter of fact, it ten- tends to not work. And I think a lot of my teenage frustrations came from that was just being, I was the big fish all the time. Mm -hmm. Even though at the time I saw myself as being really uncool and not a big fish at all, Mm -hmm. I was actually, looking back, I was like, oh, it was actually quite popular. But I guess at the time I just didn't see that. And Mm -hmm. I think because I was frustrated about you know being in a small town and not being able to go anywhere else I saw myself as being really uncool because I had this idea of what I should be doing kind Mm. of like what you were saying about you've kind of you negate yourself in a way and you've got this idea of what you should be Mm. without realising that no this is quite you're kind of like not at the peak of your years but you're kind of you're on top right now you you just don't know it or you don't realise it
0: do you reckon any of that came from like watching these American movies where I feel like I get nostalgic watching John Hughes movies right. for, for a school experience. It was nothing like mine.
1: I think that's a huge thing, you know, and I often ask myself that because, you know, there's that thing of high school never ends, right? Mm. And you're always that you're always in some version of high school in your life, whether it's at work or in your personal life or whatever. I, I do get that a lot where you... I, I consume a lot of teen content where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just like high school. And then I catch myself, I'm like, no, that was nothing like mm. high school. But I think it's more about... With those movies, it's more about the feeling of, like, the emotional truth of being a teenager or being young or being in high school rather than that actual specific. Mm. I think that's why those films work and they're good because they capture that feeling of being a teenager regardless of what context it's it's in. Do you know what I mean? I think it's less about the, the, oh, yeah, the jocks and the Mm. cheerleaders. But it's more about that feeling of, oh, everything's a bit pointless because these are all just clubs and cliques and nothing really matters.
0: Do you know what I mean? yeah. But then I felt like I had a, I felt a sense of pressure from them because the teenagers were having more sex. Absolutely. Like-
1: oh, I had that all the time. I was always like, there must be something wrong with me cause yeah. like I've you know, and I wasn't really interested in sex even as a teenager. But I I was just always like, there's no drama in my life. What's going on? I'm like mm-hmm. the most boring person in the world. Like I'm you know like no one's trying to kill me. I'm you know? yeah. like I don't deal drugs. I'm <laughs> yeah. not this cool
0: superhero guy. Yeah, absolutely. So I I can identify a lot with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. like um, I remember watching Buffy and. Um The episode when Xander loses virginity, and he right. was like a, a nerdy dude. and I was yeah. like, well, every every fucker is then a part. How is it? Yeah, yeah. In every single show, and like, oh, it's simply the arc was always they would start off being a virgin, and it would be like the the goal of the film would be, would for be them to, to have yeah, sex. Yeah. But then it, uh, there was no trajectory for me while I was at school, and so yeah, it was kind yeah, of like yeah, you, yeah. you feel like a, a lack. Of where it's kind of like, even though the people playing these teenagers are like 40 and it's it's not reflective. And none of my friends were, none of their experiences were like the experiences in these films either. It wasn't like I was alone in that.
1: But don't you think that's also a thing of when you're young, you tend to idolize maturity. Mm. Which, but not not in a good way sometimes. You tend to want to be grown up because... You'll have lived life and you'll know what it's like yeah, to yeah. like have had sex or gotten drunk for the first time. You'll be like, oh, I'll be like more worldly. Mm. But actually, that innocence is something that you realize, oh, I probably should have kept that a bit mm. longer. You know, I could have. Pre- and I think good a good teen film or a good coming of age film is a film that really captures that sort of fleeting. Oh, I'm growing up now. Mm. You know, like it's all sort of going away, and I don't know if I want that anymore. You know?
0: Did you have that sense when you were a teenager? I remember thinking as as a kid, as a teenager, being like, I can't wait till I'm an adult when I can like. I felt like something, something would switch in my head and I'd yeah. suddenly be like a functioning person and know how to do things and then right. I kind of realised that like that doesn't really happen you kind of just you, you're constantly just blagging it I
1: think I think a version of that I don't think I was expecting to know what to what, know what I was doing but I think I was expecting there for there to be some sort of revelation about life of oh this is what it's all about mm. you know like you know almost in a way when people talk about having kids they're kind of like yeah that was a moment kind of everything came into focus yeah, and, yeah. I, and I thought being a grown up would clarify a lot of things which it didn't in a way Mm. and i think a lot of the things that the questions i was asking myself at the time actually just become more complicated yeah yeah. and and you don't you don't have that moment of clarity of like oh this is what i this is who i am or this is what i'm doing it actually just becomes weirdly coming back to the shadow self. it just becomes this thing of oh my god which me am i being today and what do i do in this situation and uh, whereas as a kid you're in a way you're a lot more spontaneous because there's only one you only perceive one version of yourself yeah
0: yeah. i I wonder if it's kind of like um if it'd be different if there. was more ceremony. So I'm thinking more like in American films, like prom is held up as this kind of like massive event. Yeah, in my school, yeah. it's kind of like, just like, I just hung out with some friends and we sort of like yeah, chill. Yeah, yeah, or like, if I had like a religious process of like a bar mitzvah or something, where right. it was kind of like, there's like a, a clear like point where you like, this is the moment when yeah, yeah. I become an adult or whether actually because the moment would be so clear yeah. I'd have felt more lacking because I'd be like I just had this experience that I'm supposed to be a, a man now but I don't feel that
1: I don't yeah I see what you mean I think for me it was different because I went to uni very young I was 16 when I went to Warwick and also I going to Warwick obviously is is not in France so mm. I, I that was for me was kind of the moment where moving out of home only seeing my parents a couple of times a year that was like the moment I was like oh shit I'm a grown up now mm-hmm. I think for me it was less a question of I don't know if this answers your question or not, but it was less it, it wasn't necessarily a moment of ambiguity, like, oh, I'm a grown-up now, but I still don't know what to do. But it was more a moment of like I have to keep up now, you know, mm. like I have to
0: raise the bar a bit. And, yeah. just, and like you know, people have expectations and I can't let them down. Well, I'm gonna try and casually link that experience to Lindsay Lohan's experience of being a child star, being right. someone who was like younger. Right. Even though it's nowhere near it? severe for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Like...
1: No, no, I think that's really interesting because it child stars. A lot of stars in Hollywood are child stars, and I, you don't realise that until you look up their resume and you're like, oh, this person's been in the business for a long time. But mm. it, it's got to be very difficult, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I read, um, so Mara Wilson, who played Matilda, right. did some, like, um, a cracked article where she talked about a sudden reason child stars go crazy. Right. And some of them are quite serious about, like, parents and abuse yeah, and stuff, yeah. so ignore all that. But um, one of them was uh, this idea that they need to rebel but can't, because they've got all this pressure around mm, them. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, did you ever rebel?
1: No, but I relate to that you wanted to you want to rebel but you can't. I felt like as a kid, I got put into the oh, he's the likable nerd, nice hardworking guy who's Mm -hmm. gonna get somewhere someday. Which you know is not a bad thing it ought to be, but I think I I I would never rebel because I would always see that as not being me, you Mm -hmm. know, or not being like, oh, no, people would find it weird if I suddenly got drunk and, you know, mm. did this. So I think I kind of boxed myself in, in a way, which I probably
0: shouldn't have done. But did you... Um, have you experienced... I, I'm sure there's some sort of name for it, but people tell me about this idea of kids who were predicted to go and do great things or like had to, who were achieving yeah. a lot of school in later life because their expectations were so high, they yeah. kind of... Um, are, I don't miserable, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think I think most, people, most of those kids become miserable because they realize that they're told all their lives that they're special uh-huh. and then they grow up and they realize yeah there are certain things about me that are special but actually a lot of I'm just another guy you know what I mean? I'm just another human being so I think that misery comes from the fact that they make they end up making very conventional choices uh-huh. and doing very conventional things which doesn't live up to this idea of like oh I'm a unique person you yeah, know I yeah. think and I think especially nowadays with social media we tend to think that we're like sorry, really unique people but actually, it's all we're all just sort of the same, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think that's where the the misery comes from, not necessarily from their expectations, but from the the you know you you tend to. I mean, I was very lucky. I had very loving parents, but then you tend to underestimate just as a kid, if you're if you're if you're lucky enough to have a, a good family and like, you know solid relationships and that that a lot of life isn't like that a lot of relationships in life are really dysfunctional mm-hmm. or not very not particularly good and the emphasis isn't on you anymore and I think mm-hmm. that's probably why a lot of child stars like Lindsay Lerhan became miserable because then they they realised that oh they were just a tool in a big corporate mm-hmm. system you know and someone, no one cares about them anymore You know? Yeah, I mean? yeah. so that must be quite hard I think yeah no, definitely
0: yeah. and then I also I read this book about um, loneliness and it was sort of this idea of taking ideas or emotions which are perceived as being negative and seeing value in them so not necessarily always striving for happiness but when you're being sad to sort of acknowledge that you're feeling sad and gain something from it like not necessarily joy but like appreciate being sad yeah yeah yeah. is that something that you feel that you can
1: do i think so but i think on a much more basic level it's something we all do sometimes say when you listen to a song that's very Mm -hmm. sad you know you listen to like you know, a, a, a ballad or something that's very kind of downbeat, and you and it makes you feel sad. Or you watch a sad film, mm-hmm. and you enjoy that. You know, why do people watch horror films or mm-hmm. you know tragedies or whatever? You know, it's a cathartic thing. So yeah, I think there is value in that. I think sometimes it's you know, and being being sad is um, can be a really positive thing. Say when you. You know, if you've broken up with someone, mm. you know, it'd be really worrying if you broke up with someone and were like, oh, finally, God, you <laughs> know what I mean? That if you weren't sad at all, it'd be like, well, Jesus, that m- wouldn't have been a very good relationship. But yeah, yeah. if you weren't sad at all, you know, or losing someone, you know, loss is very hard. But in a way, if you lose a family member or a friend or something, then uh, sadness in that sense just shows how strong a connection you had with, with that person. Mm. It'd be really worrying if you're just like, oh, well, it's this
0: life in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, yeah, I think there is value in that. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, um. I'm- I love a good cry. Like, <laughs> like right. Watching a film. I, I watched um, *Roma* recently. Oh, really? Okay. And the um, the big scene in that, I was weeping in a way that I haven't wow. like, wept for like wow. a long. Like I couldn't stop. And then wow. other things that would happen where I'd be like, "Oh, this. I'm, why aren't I having a proper emotional response to this?" Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's, it's sometimes it's like you don't know what to, what opens the valve. Sometimes.
1: Absolutely. I was just going to say that. Like I haven't cried in a film. I can't even tell you the last time it was. It must have been when I was like 14 or something. Was well, that but, long ago? Yeah, I've never I and I really want to because I feel like part of me maybe wants to be a bit more emotional and a bit more open about my feelings mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think there's I th- yeah, I just haven't cried in a film in ages. Yeah. And I really want to. You know, I watched um, Rogue One the other day, Star Wars, right. and obviously in that spoiler everyone dies at the end. <laughs> and there were moments in that film where I was getting really worked up, but there were no tears. There was no like big and I and sometimes like, no, but I want to see something that yeah. really makes me feel like you know oh my god this is dreadful oh, you know like but I've, I've i just haven't seen it and i watch a lot of films but i've not yeah. seen a film that maybe that's it maybe i'm just desensitized to it now that, yeah. like i watch so many movies that i just like oh, okay emotional response plot a so, you know it's a slot uh-huh. b and then this character is going to do you know and yeah, you, yeah. You, you,
0: you sort of um you can't you sort of see the framework and not the absolutely same with
1: music like ever since i kind of started playing guitar and actually being on the other side of it where you're kind of making songs you know or whatever you kind of just you, you're like ah, oh, yeah well that bit in that song works because they use that guitar technique mm. or whatever you don't you tend to be a bit more technical and less kind of spontaneous yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah i, I definitely I, I went for a long time of not being emotional at films at all right and over, the, over the last four or so years like i cry mm. a lot during films really like wow. it also like from my like, happiness like um, in you see into the spider verse I didn't know. Okay, yeah. well the scene where like he finally becomes Spider Man, right, wept. I saw it wow. multiple times and wept both times. And um, I saw this film, um, Your Name, like the anime thing, right, and yeah, yeah. like wept through wow, that right, as right. well. Like it's and it's some of my most pleasant experiences in the cinema of me by myself weeping. Wow, I think that's great. I think
1: I, I think you were probably triggered by very different things in that mm. case. It sounds like you're kind of triggered by things that are very like positive or something, or mm-hmm. like things that are like. You know, I'm human and this is me and this Mm. is... I think I would tend to be very triggered by something that was a lot more stoic. Mm. I think that in Rogue One, you know, it's that thing of like... It's sort of like a military war film where they're all on a mission and then Mm. the mission fails and at the end they just have to kind of do that British thing like stiff up the loop and then put Mm. up with... That tends to hit me a lot more than emotional scenes per se, or okay. things where you've kind of been brought to feel it certain way. Like, I don't know if you ever watched Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think the bits in Mad Men that work for me are the bits where very little, ha- where it's just, you can see that the characters are just soldering on and just having to mm. do what they've got to do, you know? Yeah. Rather than the big kind of like, oh my God, like, you know, you cheated on me or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff doesn't tend to, I, I appreciate the drama of it, but that doesn't tend to trigger me that much.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I wept during Mad Men and the right. uh, the bit where I can't remember the character's name is when Don Draper has that older woman who was um, really married to the real Don Draper.
1: Oh my God, I know exactly the moment you mean. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. they can't tell her, Is it they can't tell her that she's terminally ill or something like, that? I can't remember when he has to leave without speaking to her and he wants to tell her something, but can't.
1: What, wait, wait, wait. wait. Is it isn't, but doesn't he go visit her to in her house or something? Yes,
0: but they, I think he visits her like multiple times. Yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. the last time, I think she, it's even like she's terminally ill, yeah. she doesn't know. Right. And then he finds out in the family, like, you can't tell her and he leaves without telling her. Right. It's something, I don't think that's exactly oh, right. Right, okay. But I remember just weeping through that as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: yeah. That got me as well, actually, that, that relation, because I think for me it was like the fact that he. She was the only person who knew who he really was, yeah, and yeah. that that portal was gone now, and that he that he was all alone now. He didn't have this. It's really interesting. It comes back again to the double yeah, self, you know. That, yeah. Don Draper is throughout the whole series. You're kind of wondering who is Don Draper, and then you realize, well, that's who he is. He is the guy who is constantly wondering who is Don Draper. You know, yeah, I mean? yeah. that's that's who that's his thing. That before that split. He didn't really have an identity, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. before before he assumed that other guy's identity, he wasn't really anything special. But then, when when he's sort of putting on that mask, that's kind of what made him the guy he was, you mm-hmm. know, in the in the show. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. And yeah, Roger Ebert used to say like movies are a machine for empathy, mm-hmm. so they kind of encourage you to be more open and be more honest with yourself, and because it's kind of that safe space where you're like, no, it's okay, you can feel this right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, you can
0: cry during this thing. It's fine. You know. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about how when you rewatched Parent Trap* that you had yeah. like uh, you felt the writing was good and you felt it was yeah, good, but, yeah. but did you have an emotional response to it at or- all?
1: Did uh, it's complicated. I I think I, I I enjoyed it and I think I was appreciating it on like more of in, an intellectual level. So yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. Your first crush, I think, does say something about you, and I think it says something. It says more about you because it's like an abstract kind of thing of you idolize someone who you would want to be. Whereas, I was I find when you have a crush on someone who's in your kind of daily life or circle actually often doesn't say that much about you because it's well they're there you know so Mm. like of course you're gonna you know we all want to kind of love and you know be loved and so having a crush on someone at work or something is actually I don't think that special because it's kind of like they're there whereas like a pop star or a celebrity or something is a bit more like well you don't see that person in daily life. So it's kind of, you know, and, and part of it is like a social thing if it's you've been constructed to like that person, but part of it is also a deliberate thing of, oh, that's everything I want to be. You know, mm. I want to be that person because I want to be that person. You yeah. know?
0: Well, just listen. I appreciate
1: Cheers. it. No, thank you very much. I love it. Love doing it.